Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Suttala. And I'm Casey McBride. And we are here with another fun episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. So today our topic is shamanism, do you hear the call? And the reason uh, kind of this is up in the air for me is that we're starting the shaman apprenticeship program. We started this channel kind of an inspiration out of some of the work we've done with Zane. We never really had a full episode just on shamanism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Stare Crazy Shamans podcast is definitely really go deep into shamanism. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we have, it's definitely a focal point of all of our conversations and everything, but we haven't had like, this is straight up, this is what um, right. we're, we're talking talking about. And, and first, I, I want to just kind of go over the word shaman, because the way that we're using it is kind of the umbrella uh, word. But when you get down to it, the training that I've had specifically, the training that Casey's about to start is a very specific uh, type of thing. So the word shaman is actually from one region of Siberia, Russia. And that one word, because of just how we like to generalize things, that one word became an umbrella word for basically any indigenous transition. So whether it's a Lakota tradition, whether it's a Bushman tradition of Africa, uh, whether it's the Karo tradition, like what I practice and Casey is now learning, uh, it's all lumped up under the word shamanism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so now the word, and it was, I think the, the, the Tungus people, is that correct? The Tungus tribe? I believe that's um, correct. Yeah. So, um, so it, the way, the way I kind of remembered, uh, like this saying people say is, uh, you know, um, the only actual champagne is champagne that comes from like the champagne region of France or wherever it is. And everything else is just sparkling wine. Um, <laughs> so, but um, no, uh, so the, the practices um, uh, of every native tradition are going to be different in, uh, in like the way they go about certain things, but the underlying core um, experiences. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that are universal throughout all of them. Like in so many traditions, we work with the three worlds, right? The lower, middle, and upper worlds. Um, and then just communication with spirit and, um, and in some way, um, communicating with the divine, that which is beyond the physical, uh, for the purposes of healing, uh, the community and for, um, gaining insight into things uh, in order to help benefit the community. Um, you know, these things are sort of all really uh, core principles that you'll find in any native tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but again, the differences are in the gold. There's so many differences in the way that individual ceremonies are carried out and the types of spirits that people, uh, that these native people interact with. Um, but um, so when we, when we say shamanism, you know, it can refer to many different practices. Uh, and shamanism is also not just a specific like, okay, shamanism is when you're journeying. You know, that's that's also not accurate to say it's many different things. Um, but uh, the way we use it nowadays is, um, like you said, just the uh, like I like to say uh, a shaman is a bridge between the worlds. Um, I like that little phrase uh, in that we um, we are a physical human uh, who uh, is in direct communication with the realms that are beyond physical perception, but we are still able to perceive. And um, so we're a bridge in that. We take that powerful energy, the insight, the wisdom, the healing that we um, discover and find in those realms and help to bring that into our community, whether that's just a local community of a few people we know or like we're sharing with the world like we're doing now. 
Um, but that's that's how we're sort of the bridge between those things. Yeah, I like to say that the shaman is the hollow bone to redistribute the life energies throughout the cosmos. So whoever you're working with or whatever you're doing, if there's heavy energy there that's out of balance, you're able to facilitate that movement of energy to take that and give it somewhere else where it's going to be light. Just like we've talked many times on our calls about this concept of hucha. That's from the tradition in Peru. Hucha just means heavy. And it, but it's a matter of perspective because it's not good or bad. It's just heavy based on where you are. So you take that heavy energy and that heavy energy somewhere else in existence is light. And so I think it was Elizabeth Jenkins, one of the folks that um, Zane was kind of learning with at the same time, uh, she would say that angel poop is light for us as our shit is light for the underworld. So it's all a matter of point of view, not good or bad, just different. And by just moving it from one place to the other, now it can be a service and a contribution uh, to something else. Yeah, and I was just working with a friend who uh, I've been teaching uh, and I've been guiding on shamanic journeys for, uh, I think, over two or three years now or something. And um, uh, he, he did a couple journeys where he worked with the lower worlds, but he'd never really gone into depth with working uh, with lower world energies. And um, yesterday we were the whole journey was in the lower world and he was really addressing some of the heavier more, or more dense energies there. And um, uh, so he came out of it, and uh, but he said something kind of interesting. He's like, I asked him how he felt, and he's like, I feel really heavy. And he's like, but it's not bad heavy. It just feels like like a denser, like heavier vibration. It's like it's loving, and it feels good, but at the same time, it's heavy. Uh, but then I did realize there were certain things we needed to sort of shift so that he was back up to feeling the lighter vibrations. But, um, but yeah, uh, we have a lot of misconceptions, especially when people just hear the term lower worlds or underworlds or heavier or dense vibrations or lower vibrations or whatever. We have these, uh, these concepts of like, oh, that's bad. Um, you know, or that's evil or, or something, you know, especially in the, in the West where we associate terms of like underworld with like, you know, places of damnation <laughs> or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, the, uh, you know, for the shaman, uh, we, uh, I think what we're, uh, what a, or anyone who's really begun to uh, discover the truth for themselves on their path realizes that, uh, like Zane said, there is no good or bad. Um, there, there are just experiences of energy. And in the eyes of the infinite, all energy is equal. It is as it is. So whether the vibration is really dense and it causes you to feel constricted or it's really light and causes you to feel elation, um, they're all just energy. And so we learn uh, to work with every energy that we come across, uh, but then we learn ways to uh, um, begin to work with them, transmute them in, so that we can experience uh, more peaceful, joyful lives for right. ourselves. And I look at it, I like using the analogy, you are the conductor of the symphony of the universe. And in that way, like every other divine aspect that is out there as the, as the conductor, there is a way for each one of those instruments to play its magic in a way that's going to be a contribution for whatever you're choosing. And in that space, like even the way we call things in, name your worst enemy, name your, you know, your most unlike politician or whoever bullied you on the bus when you were growing up. You call their name, ompui, 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 it means bring your healing here. So you're only calling to you what is going to create possibility. And so there's ways that you can kind of facilitate and orchestrate that where you don't have to be afraid of any one thing. Hmm. And you yeah. don't just jump right to that point. There's a lot of <laughs> you do <laughs> love to that. There's like a whole technique that before you would do that, you would like, you know, you would, you know, work with the energy of like a, a friend and then a, a, a 
uh, someone you didn't know, and then you work up to your worst enemy. So just don't jump into it. <laughs> but you could if called. <laughs> um, someone in the comments just said they have no sound on this. I, I doubt. I don't think that's going to be a problem on our end. I, I hope not. Looks no. like they're they're from Facebook. Um, um, I didn't see any comment from Facebook yet. Or wait, no, I do. Ashley Keller, I have no sound on this. That's very odd. Uh, let me go to my phone and just play us real quick and see if. Double check. Yeah, because if we're talking and no one can hear us, then that's not. Then that's not like, a show. <laughs> there's so many people like watching. Like, what are these people saying? <laughs> if you if you're watching and you can hear us, please comment uh, that yeah. you can hear us because we got yeah. one comment saying they can't hear us. Is it us or is it her? Or you could puklia us and like lie to us and tell us that it is one of the. <laughs> Please don't do that though. Let's see. Um, I'm so disoriented just to work my Facebook right now. Oh uh, no. <laughs> well, here I've got. Okay, so Lin Lindsay Lee, my friend, says uh, she can hear us just fine. So. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I wonder if Ashley just has us a mute or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's a little pukle for Ashley. She'll have to go back and catch the replay. <laughs> oh, um, so so calling. Do you hear the call of the shaman? All right. So um, we've been asked that. I remember a few times. Yeah. Uh, how how do you know? How did you know you were a shaman? How did you know you were called to the path of the shaman, uh, or whatever? Um, so I think we should, we could start with that. Uh, so what would be your take on that question? Yeah, I believe. And well, for everybody's has their own unique experience, of course, but I would start by saying that to become a shaman, anybody could choose to start having that engagement with the spirit world and just like developing your intuition, developing a muscle, develop your dialogue with the sacred. Anybody could choose that. Some people I feel have a greater um, natural disposition towards it, if that's the right word, disposition. I'm not sure if it is, but propensity some people, or something. Propensity, like some, some people just have a natural potency to be like our, your friend, Allie, like she has this natural ability to talk with plants and to commune with plants. And you are really good and gifted with guides. And, and uh, I actually had messenger around uh, how, like how we kind of compliment, cause you have one skill set really down. And for me, like I have the experience of knowing by stepping to the space where the other person is and not seeing it as an individual thing, but where I know because they know because we're one. And so it's like a totally different way. So some people just have their different niches, but anybody could choose to start doing that. And some people are chosen by the spirit world or people who are open to receiving it, but might not have been looking for it. spirit might go, think, 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 Hey, 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 there's all this stuff over here. Come work with me. And so, so I think it's multifaceted. It's not just a cut and dry. Like some people are shamans. Some people aren't, I believe everybody would have the possibility of stepping into that world. Agreed uh, fully, completely. Um, yeah. And, and I, in my own experience have found when helping people to learn to journey, to learn to do advanced energy healing, uh, to learn to communicate with their guides. Um, I found the case to be that there are some people who are really, really gifted. Uh, or I don't know if even that's the right word, uh, but again, they just sort of uh, have a, a real knack for it and they're easily like born with like a lot more sensitivity. Um, and those people um, without really having to try or practice all that much, uh, they're off journeying, having experiences with uh, a lot of ease. And um, uh, but those people sometimes uh, 
almost because maybe because they don't have to work for it very hard. They don't like, they don't stick with it and they don't actually put in the training to further develop that and they get distracted and, you know, they may not really go very far with it. Around the other side, there are some people who have a lot of difficulty in the beginning. They can barely feel the sensations of energy. They're really blocked internally uh, as far as being able to communicate with guides or do any kind of energy work. And, uh, but when those people really work at it and they really train and they put in the time every day to practice, 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 those people will surpass and go way beyond the people that are just naturally gifted. Um, so it doesn't matter where you're starting at. Yes, some of us may have to put in some more time and training in order to get there, but anyone can become really, really in tune with the spirit world and learn to open up really powerful communication. You know, I think of people who are completely closed off, like they just went back further in the slingshot, right? So like, if you, if you imagine that, like, they're just like, I'm totally blocked off. I'm pulling myself way down, way grounding. And then when they finally go, it's like, I love the slingshot metaphor. (laughs) That's how I felt like when I really started to get training. Well, I mean, I was always intuitive, but when I was at my worst, when I was trying to medicate my gifts away and, uh, and I was like a full-time professional drinker, I remember that as I came out of that haze and I really started to focus on uh, intuition and developing that it's that's what it felt like it felt like i got rocketed and they even use that word in the program they say you will get rocketed into the fourth dimension <laughs> <laughs> in, in the shaman program no no in aa oh in it's, AA. It's, it's in the big book but in, in it's actually all metaphysically based like the guy who wrote the big book he actually uh, was friends with raymond cassidy who founded rishi's metaphysical institute which is in um euclid on the east side of Cleveland. And, and they also sat in development circles at Lilydale and stuff. They don't put that in the book, but they were <laughs> there was all kinds of um, spiritual and metaphysical influences that got built into the program. It's very metaphysical. And it's unfortunate because anybody, uh, regardless of addiction or not, you could pick up that book and follow that recipe for doing your inner work and, and just get a ton of stuff done uh, very proactively. And some people say, nope, nope, that's not for me. I'm not an addict or whatever, but there's a lot of gold in there that people don't want to look at because huh. then they'll identify with themselves being an addict or an that's alcoholic. Very, very fascinating, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Rocketed. <laughs> Rocketed. <laughs> So, and if you guys have a specific questions uh, about anything, please uh, let us know. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about when you saw the picture in the background. I wonder if I added that to, uh, well, I actually have some photos from Zane's thing the other day, but I'll save that because in case he can pop on, I don't want to like use that and then, yeah, here we go. So I'm just putting this on over top. This is just a, a little view of uh, a mountain in Peru. And I just want to kind of let you see that for a moment because the, the, the tradition that I'm learning or I'm continuing to learn. I've been through the apprenticeship now. This is my third time uh, starting with it. Uh, it's a blend of traditions uh, that that has formed the Qatari cross-cultural ca- uh, shamanism. And the one that I really like to talk about is the Caro specifically that lived way up in the mountains that when the Spanish came through and conquered, they couldn't go that high because they got altitude sickness. So they kind of just left those people alone. A lot of those ancient ways were relatively untouched by the Spanish influence. And so years and years and years goes by, and it wasn't until an anthropologist who was walking through the streets of Cusco, like noticed somebody with like the the type of cloth that they had was done in a way that hadn't been done for hundreds of years. And he's like, where are you people from? And it was like a really old, 
dialect of Quechua, and he found that there were these Caro Indians living way up in the mountains that nobody had any clue of, and they would just come out a couple times uh, throughout the year to uh, come down and trade the cloths that they made to get the things that they need, like coca leaf and other things, to take back up to the mountain. And that resulted in the first expeditions uh, that started to unpack all of this. And there was a, a, a prophecy and Zane can talk about it more, but there was when this one earthquake happened, the Caro took it as their sign that they were supposed to start teaching the gringo, uh, the white guy, the northern children, the children of the north, uh, because they, they, their, their children didn't want to learn it, that they knew that there was this prophecy of the eagle and the condor flying together in peace. And they took that, that earthquake as a the sign that now it's time to teach and so they started teaching um, more openly the traditions to the children of the north and that's why you have like four winds you have elizabeth jenkins you have zane all out there like spreading that original carol teaching um mostly some people have made a blending of of, of northern traditions with it as well uh, but nonetheless it's how the word has really started to get out from the south american traditions through that prophecy and their willingness to be open and teach what they know and it's not just the uh caro people from my understanding but a lot of native people um i think i don't know who i don't know if it was lakota uh i think it was another tribe but i was just watching a video of this elder speak and he said that i don't know what year but um their prophecy was that uh a i think it was a, a white buffalo would stand on the land um, and that uh, when that white buffalo stood on the land, then there would be one every year from then on. And then that was the time when we're in like the, the great awakening where everyone will come back to spirit. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and then they said uh, uh, one year, uh, whatever, like the herd of buffalo that they ha had or were following or whatever, um, there was like an, an albino, like white buffalo that was born. And then every single year since then, there's been a white buffalo born. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, I was about to ask if that was happening, and you answered. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I didn't even have to ask the question. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and, and but I've heard others as well. I mean, there was a whole little. I wish I, you know. I'm going to look for it and see if I can find it at some point. It'd be cool to find the the link to share with people. But um, there was a video talking about uh, like native people from um, North America, from Antarctica, uh, like from all over. And um, just the, the different signs that they perceive that like we are in like this end of times, beginning of times, you know, prop, the, the foretold times, you know, and, uh, and so it was just interviewing elders from all these different um, traditions and they were all saying that they're perceiving these big signs right now. That's so. very cool. And I've <laughs> shared this on a previous uh, episode, but there was a time when I was recently in Lilydale, I was teaching a class and I had built a beautiful despacho. Uh, and I really wanted, I offered a blessing for the people in the class and there happened to be a sweat lodge the next day. And I asked one of the students that I knew was gonna be at it. I said, well, can you ask him if I could just offer a blessing and burn this tomorrow? And she's like, well, he'll say no, that you never mix ceremony. I'm like, well, just ask him anyway. And she asked him and he said, no, we never mix ceremony. And I just showed up anyway. And then I asked him and I said, this is what I did yesterday. This is what I'd like to do. Could I please do it? And he was about to say no again. And then spirit said, no, let him do it. And, and he let me do that, but it, it, it was like one of the first times that like a really a Northern tradition and a Southern tradition were offered or had an influence on each other. And then we talked about the prophecies and, and everything. It's like, wow, this is just like um, from my own experience, like a little uh, sign, if you will, of these two traditions uh, or the whole world really coming together. They call that the, the rainbow tribe of man coming back together again. And it's amazing to see we're at, there's this parallel, right? 
So on one hand, we have the technology. There's more, we're more interconnected through technology than ever before. And there's kind of two sides to that where some people are um, sort of drifting further apart and then going into the world of technology. But also at the same time, there's more and more people discovering more about all of these different spiritual traditions that they would, wouldn't have had access to before. And, and then there are people are starting to have experiences uh, of spirit um, that aren't just uh, specific to their own tradition, their own upbringing, but of all these many, many different traditions from all around the world. And then they have people they can talk to who are also having these same experiences. Um, so I think like on, on a physical level, we have this network of communication. And then on an energetic level, there's also this like uprising of more and more people that are waking up, discovering the old truths and are holding that vibration so that more and more people can easily ascend and, and rise into that vibration as well. And that's like, I think I feel it coming in waves, right? Like there's this a wave of people that sort of wake up, so to speak, and answer the call of the shaman or whatever it is. And then they they hold that that space. And now the people who were ready to wake up but weren't quite there because that energy is there, they can then come and wake up. And now there's more. And then next wave of people can come and wake up. So it's kind of like an exponential growth kind of thing. And that's yes. why so many people, so many people feel that we're coming to this big climax right now. And I would challenge anybody who doesn't think they've had an experience of, of shamanic energy or anything like that. I really challenge you go back through your experience. Like I, look, I think of my father-in-law and my son, he loves telling the story. I'm so happy he remembers it, but my father-in-law is like closed off to all this. They thought that he's an atheist and they Googled me before um, my wife and I got married and they literally thought their daughter was marrying a lunatic. Um, but but, but, but o over the years, they've had all these different experiences from Alaska and everything uh, that kind of, you know, you can't unknow something once you've seen it. And we were outside and I had just built a fire. And, uh, and as soon as I got it really going, we see the rain pop, pop, pop. And it starts to rain and her dad in a broken English goes, oh, what a pity. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll see. And I wasn't doing this for my own benefit or anything i just like well we'll see we'll ask the spirits and see what they say and i went out and i got my my mesa which is over here i got my mesa and i go out i start yelling up at the sky yari kenchai uh, cheska kenchai i'm calling in the starlight and uh no joke on the little on the little radar you could see like when Westlake it was raining everywhere and there was this one little spot where like the clouds just weren't and we ended up having our fire we could see the stars and her dad's sitting there watching he's like this unbelievable <laughs> and i'm like it's not an oh, they just said yes and i don't think that was for my benefit because i didn't really have a point of view about whether it rained or not but you know i'm going to be who i am and i'll ask and if it's yes great and and uh for him though that was like a magical moment that he'll can never unknow it <laughs> you know so have you had a moment where you had this moment of receiving like this experience from the spirit world where you know all this stuff like you know that you know that you know that you just saw that <laughs> and, and instead of relating in a way, allow that to be the opening where you can receive more in your world. And I remember that just speaking of like uh, the clouds opening up and all that stuff. I was at this retreat in Texas and uh, it was a, a, like a metaphysics kind of class. And that I, I was it was like an online thing that I was uh, a part of for a little bit. And um, we met. And uh, the one day it was completely like solid overcast, you know, um, totally overcast skies, not just patches of cloud, but the whole sky was all cloud. And uh, the guy who was leading the retreat called everyone out and uh, he goes, come here. He's like, we're gonna, uh, we're, we're gonna uh, 
open up like a hole in the sky in the clouds so that the sun can shine through. So he plays the song by the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. <laughs> and, which is just such a great, I love the energy of that song. And as he's playing this, here comes the sun, da da da. We're all doing our work to like <laughs> open up the, the sky. And we just watch as the sun just starts to pierce through and it completely opens up and the whole sky goes from completely overcast to like no clouds whatsoever. Uh, and, and it was like by the like the time that before the song started, it was totally overcast. By the time that song ended, it was the whole sky had opened up. And um, that, <laughs> that was such a man. And now I like I, I, I every time I hear that song by the Beatles, I just like Ooh, it, uh, it really brings this feeling of joy for me. <laughs> but it's, again, it's just one of those experiences, you know. Like, I, like sure, you know, you could sit there and try and logically rationalize. Oh, you know, well, it was going to clear up either way, whether you played that song or not. But, you know, I think there's a part of us that knows better. <laughs> yeah. well, but the ego desperately tries to convince you otherwise because when you're functioning from past data when you're functioning from your history it's all stuff that the ego knows and the ego's job is to keep you safe so it would rather you choose the worst day of your life over and over again because it knows you survived it than for you to step into a new possibility that it doesn't know the outcome of so right. does it put the ego on the shelf like the ego has a very specific person uh, uh very specific purpose which is to have us be like the have the skin of the water balloon so we can be separate from the ocean right so we have our individuality uh, but at the same time be individual but step into that possibility and not let it trick you into picking the same old stuff again right and that's where <clears throat> i just uh was talking to someone about this that sort of um fear as like you said the feeling excited and ready uh sometimes when we start to do this sort of work um the ego would rather explain away these really powerful undeniable phenomena uh as you know oh it was you were making that up or coincidence or science can explain that or whatever again because it's comfortable for the ego that's what the ego has has known and, and feels is safe um uh, but part of the reason it can sort of feel frightening in a way is because we realize wow if if I really accept and recognize that these amazing, magical, seemingly impossible things are true, real, and possible, then, you know, what really is possible? And there's like, and, and we get this sense that there's so much that like there's an infinite realm of possibility, which there is, but we start to sense that, that that's really there, this infinite realm of possibilities just, be, just there waiting for us. And that excitement can become, it can build up so much that we almost like close down because it gets a little overwhelming. Let's see. I'm curious. I'm just thinking back to books because I was bringing up a book to do a screen share on in a moment. I remember that when you started getting into all this, there were some books that you had. You, you mentioned that you started reading up on it. Were there any particular books that you would um, recommend? I mean, mm. Patty, you're not late. You're fashionably right when you're supposed to get here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, yeah. nor and is he early. You can always watch on the replay, so it's not like you can miss anything. So it's all good. Uh, um, what was I? Uh, oh, the books. Uh, so, yeah, the one I... Oh, maybe it's over here. Hold on. I'm going to run away from the screen for a second. I think it's right here. Uh, where are you? Are you here? <laughs> Sorry, I threw him off. To, I, he wasn't expecting to need to make book recommendations. I just threw it out there. <laughs> Okay, so I um, I don't necessarily know if this is a good book for people to start with, and I didn't even really read it. I still haven't. <laughs> um, but it was enough to like for me to go. Okay, I'm jumping off and just doing it. 
Um, but it's called Exploring Shamanism Using Ancient Rites to Discover the Unlimited Healing Powers of Cosmos and Consciousness by Hilary S. Webb. And um, the thing that was cool about it was that um, she goes and gives a little backstory about, you know, like, kind of what is shamanism and what, what her path was. But then she really quickly jumps into just, okay, here's practical exercise number one. Do this. Take note of what you feel, what impressions come as you, like, face each direction. And then, like, and then try this journey. And um, I remember I got through like maybe two of the exercises and I was like, okay, I don't need the book anymore. I'm off. <laughs> but, um, but I think, it, you know, who knows if it inspired me to get onto this path and, and help me uh, to be, and maybe it can really help a lot of other people. So that's, uh, but yeah, other than that, um, I haven't really read a lot of books on shamanism, to be totally honest. I've just, the spirits taught me. <laughs> well, there's one I would definitely recommend. I'm going to bring it up on the screen share now. I think it's sharing. Did it share? I have to Ooh. go back to the screen share now. So yeah. this is a little book. If you have never heard of it, it's called Inca Mountain Magic. And it is by uh, my teacher, Zane Kerfman. <laughs> so yeah, my teacher as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really, it, he calls it, the, the subheading to this would be a, a nature mystic's guide to ascension. And it also goes through different um, practices that you can do and different things that you can play with energetically to start opening up your world uh, in terms of shamanism, specifically more with the Caro and the Corandero traditions of Peru. Uh, so it's more South American focused, of course, where if it's just a shaman, it might be more, it might be a little bit of everything, which isn't a bad thing. It's really good. Um, I, I personally like uh, having one unbroken tradition, like as as um, as raw as you can get it, and then um, fill in with all kinds of other things. So you have like one thing from beginning to end that was as true as it could be today as it was a thousand years ago. I just personally like it. And then you can still bring in other components, but you got that one lineage where you can kind of plug things in and, and see how things relate and how they're different and that kind of thing. Where yeah. if you just have a hodgepodge of everything, it's hard to do that because you don't know what's from where. Yeah, and, and doing the opposite for me, I think it's going to help so much because I do have sort of all of this uh, knowledge from spirit and from other places that came from all over. Now I think this is going to help me to like structure all of the things that I've learned and know I've been practicing. And, and so that will help me to like really develop this laser-like focus of my practice and to go so much deeper into what I'm already doing. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And then, this was from, I think, 2016, the link I'm about to post, but Zane came on and we did like a webinar and then we just have it on YouTube and I'm going to post the link and the beginning part, it's kind of talking about the history a little bit more than what we're talking about right now. But he does one thing with the rattle and walks people through a energy process called the Saman Jikui, which is um, the more sacred way to say father's reign. And it's a, a whole way of... Um, being able to rinse your energy bubble and your whole totality of being with this energy of Father's reign. So I'm going to post a link for it. If you're interested, you can hop about midway through, I think is when it starts. I forget exactly. But it was just basically me interviewing Zane and him offering a bit of a slideshow pre presentation on the tradition of, of the lineage that we're practicing, mostly. Is that the one that was embedded in the shaman's apprenticeship? It is. Okay. Yeah, I, I was. I really wanted to watch the whole thing. The it, I don't know if it was my internet connection or whatever, but it was so choppy and broken up in the audio that I, I my mind couldn't deal with it. <laughs> oh no, no, that was um, that was. I think you're thinking of when I was trying to do a live stream and my Mevo thing wasn't like it was a thing that I was doing. I think. No, 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 no. This was, this was a, it was like a PowerPoint presentation type thing. Uh, well, if the audio sucks, we'll do a new one guys. Let me know. 
I've um, had this for four years and no one's ever told me the audio sucked before. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, that book. Uh, uh, now, would you recommend? I know this is more just a personal question for me because I'm curious. But uh, would you recommend, like, for example, I. Uh, I pick up that book and start to read it or like go through the apprenticeship and then read that book. If you if, you, if yourself, if you had to give just, a- I, I have only glazed over the book myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, but the parts that I've read, like now granted when I read the book for the first time, I had already been through the apprenticeship. So I use it more like a reference. Like when I don't remember what a word is or something like that, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, grab yeah. that. I had a flip through there. There's a glossary of terms in the back, which has been like my gold uh, for catch all words. Yeah. And, uh, and then through the program too, we learned there's like this one really long, uh, calling in the directions prayer that we he has in Quechua that we have a video of him like going slow and like saying it word for word and it's like also a great way like you don't have to learn the Quechua let me say that first English works it's fun to learn the Quechua right <laughs> I, I like I personally like the Quechua and part of the reason I like it is I think that when you do a, a ceremony for somebody if they can't know what you're saying uh, then it opens it up to a different possibility because if I even if I use the word mother earth um a lot of people have the point of view that we're destroying mother earth. How terrible is that? They hear mother earth and they might go to a very dark place uh, where the care will go. Ha, you, you're so arrogant. You think we can hurt her. She'll be here long after we kill ourselves. George Carlin said something very similar. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, but saying things in Quechua, it just allows them to receive the energy only without the filters of the mind. And then occasionally when I have a, a, a class and I'm doing Quechua stuff, and veritably somebody will have a child there and the kid hears the language and thinks it's the funniest thing and they're just giggling. And then it's interesting to see because half the half the adults are giggling because it's a kid giggling and half the adults are annoyed. And it's just like, well, isn't that interesting how a child's laughter could have two different polaris reactions? <laughs> <laughs> but but I personally love it because they hear that word and they're just being and then they're just laughing and yeah so don't don't tell the kid to stop let them be the kid yeah oh I love it <laughs> um oh wow yeah you just lost everything <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were just sharing the books, Inca Mountain Magic. I posted a link to the um, the video uh, on YouTube. And since we talked about the program, like officially the program uh, started uh, last Friday, but because of the stay at home order, we're not doing our first in-person apprenticeship till May. Uh, so if there's interest in that, um, I will post a link for it too. But uh, we're doing like a six-week virtual thing, which is a standalone introduction uh, or a, a lead into the actual in-person work. So no matter where you're listening to this from, uh, and Zane's never taught a class like this online. I'm very excited because normally uh, he's more of an in-person person, but I think the whole situation has really shifted things to be more and more virtual. So I should take that back. He does do a lot of Zoom stuff, but never an actual course up until recently. So here is uh, the link for connecting to the sacred that I just posted. And then there's a link on my website too for the whole program if it's something that inspires you. And if not now, two years, we'll do it again. It's every two years, so. And then there's a, I don't know if I'm supposed to, I don't, it probably doesn't matter. There's a, a master level to, to it as well. For- That's a, perhaps a bad name. Uh, in between every year, we do a, what he calls the master level uh, teachings, but it's not really master level. He's actually teaching the third level priesthood from the fourth level perspective. And so in this tradition, there's a whole, like a whole bunch of different levels of priesthood and the virtual class that we're learning, um, the navigating the sacred, it's actually based on the first level teachings, which I've never seen him teach before. Uh, so, but, but at the end of that, you get the Taiwantan Mesa, Four Corners Mesa that you'll build for yourself, like a little medicine bundle. And, um, 
comeback spot. Uh, and then the uh, the level that we're learning with the, all the initiations is the fourth level priesthood. And the idea is with the Ultima Sayok, you could do a ceremony 100% wrong and still get the desired result. The Pampama Sayok has a lot more fear uh, in their world, or they, they work more, more reactionary in a sense where they think that if you don't do what the Apus tell you, then they'll punish you. And the Ultima Sauk says, why would they do that? They're our friends. <laughs> Two different points of view, and they don't look at each other as uh, bad or worse or anything like that. They're just different, and they each have a medicine to offer depending where a person's at. But the um, the the master class is teaching the third level teachings, but he does it afterwards because he, he'd rather you go through with the perspective of the fourth level Ultima Sauk than start with the third level and then need to get you out of that area like you're you can't you start here and then you dip into it and that way you you can see it but not get drawn into the where the pampa massage would be energetically that makes sense yeah yeah oh it's all so exciting and uh you know um one of the things i feel called to touch on real quick is with shamanism the reason why we're starting to see more and more of it uh, as far like the word shaman is becoming more commonplace there's still a lot of people when i bring that word up they go what what does that mean? I've never heard of that. Uh, but more, it's, it's starting to pop up more and more. And I think we'll get to the point where, you know, I don't know, however many years ago, not a lot of people heard the term Reiki. And now almost everyone knows, at least has heard the term Reiki. And uh, it's starting to happen with the term shaman as well. And um, uh, there's more people um, who uh, they feel called to expand upon these things that they're starting to feel, these experiences they, they have that they feel are true, but that they can't explain via their current scientific understanding or their current religious beliefs. They don't fit into that paradigm. Uh, so shamanism encourages us to have a direct experience and these things that we're feeling, it goes, okay, well, dive into that. Here are some techniques that can help you to go deep into that, but really explore that for yourself. And so instead of like we're in, and that's the difference between a religious practice and like shamanism is in a religion, you're sort of taught, um, this is the way things are. Um, you know, if you want to achieve enlightenment or freedom or whatever, then you have to do these steps. And then that's the only way to get there. Uh, whereas in shamanism, uh, it's more, um, here's some techniques in order to bring yourself into a space to go off and have your own experience. You learn whatever you learn, come back, and then that's the truth. You know, you, you, you discover it for yourself. Yeah, that's a big thing with the Carol. Like if you were to go down and try to study on your own, it might take you 10 years because they'll give you one little nugget and they don't even tell you what just happened. You got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and where Zane has kind of unpacked it and is presenting it for the Western mind. <laughs> and you know, I love saying that you'll love, this is from AA, who knows where they stole it from, but they say that religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who have been there. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, that brings up a good little uh, point is sometimes people who have these, um, uh, you know, maybe people who are uh, religious or even like scientifically more scientific minded, um, they, they never want to go and explore the spiritual. Maybe maybe the circumstances of their life are relatively pleasant. You know, they've got a great supporting uh, network of family and friends and their finances are good. They got a good job, you know, uh, romantic relationships, everything's just peachy, you know? And, uh, and, uh, so maybe they're not, uh, as called to really like explore anything outside of that. Whereas a lot of us, and when we, I'm starting to learn this more as I interact with people who are called to the path of the shaman, like this group, wonderful 
sacred hoop that we're forming with the people we're doing this apprenticeship with, a lot of us went through intense, intense suffering that led us to finally awakening and then wanting to dive in and actually explore uh, or expand upon our path. And it looks like Zane is popping up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they say in uh, the program that you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and then you're ready for something different. Right. <laughs> right. But we're going to bring on, I think he's, I see his video, so I'm going to bring him on here. I think he's ready. Give me thumbs up if you're ready, Zane. He's thumbs up. All right. Cool. Hello, everyone. And here's Zane. Hi, <laughs> Zane. Uh-oh. Hey, can you oh, hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can. It looks like no. you just have a little bit of lag. We can hear you. Oh, okay. Great, great. Uh, so uh, you were talking about the call of the shaman and all of those uh, issues, it seems like. <laughs> uh so to begin, I would just like to make a, a um, this is part of being integrous, which is a big part of this path as well, is to develop your personal integrity. Uh, first of all, shamanism is a broad term. Uh, it's a uh, anthropological term that is used for a broad range of practices. But the actual beginning of that word, the origin is the Tungus Siberian people uh, of uh, northern Russia. This is where the actual word shaman comes from. And in all actuality, they are the only people, and they're a small tribe, but they're the only people who truly have a, uh, a authorship of that name. Uh, from there, though, the Western anthropologists met these people uh, in the uh, Siberian north, and they noticed that they had certain characteristics to them. And those characteristics had to do with altered states of consciousness, trance states, uh, ritualistic healing, and um, a belief in animism, which means everything's alive. Even a table has life force to it and can be communicated with. From there, they uh, traveled, of course, eventually to the New World. And when in the New World, they noticed people who were having practices that were very, very similar to these uh, Tungus Siberian practices. They used different ways of going into trance state, including drumming, rattling, uh, use of psychotropic uh, substances to create an altered state. Uh, so they uh, coined them this uh, kind of uh, shorthand uh, for that type of tradition, and they called them all shamans. Of course, the true shamanic traditions are only from the Tungus Siberian region. But because modern anthropology has made this distinction, and many of the medicine peoples of Central America, Mexico, uh, South America, and even North America have adopted this term uh, for what they do. But you will find, especially in the North American traditions, that most often they just call themselves people of wisdom or people, medicine people, folk healers, uh, things like that. Uh, so I just did want to make sure I pointed out that uh, little difference. Um, even in these cultures where uh, shaman came from, the term is not used lightly. Never does the practitioner of these magical arts refer to themselves as a shaman. Rather, the community refers to them as a shaman. And um, early on in my training, I re always referred to this as mystical, as the mystical work of the Andes, the mystical work of Peru. And eventually, uh, through my students, they started to call me a shaman. They started 
to refer to what I was doing as shamanism and it started to be promoted as such. And I, that it follows the anthropological uh, shorthand for all these practices, but there are some really unique differences. Uh, one of the similarities, though, uh, between these Siberian practices and the practices of the Kero Indians and the Quechuan Indians is that they are living traditions. In other words, there has never been a moment since their inception where there wasn't someone practicing the tradition. It never fell out of practice, so they continue to be uh, living traditions that have been passed down since time immemorial from grandfather or grandmother to grandchild uh, in this way. Uh, I think Hank has some pictures and uh, I'll need you to keep a watch on the time and let me know when it's about noon. I'll have to go right before okay. noon. Yeah, we're going to uh, on his little... Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, which picture would you like first? Oh, go ahead. Uh, first, uh, the picture of the village. So uh, this is a picture of the village that I'm a part of the community of where my goddaughter lives. And this is in the Quero Nation. And this village is called Kiko. And that... Uh, mountain you see behind there, that is Kikokutu, which is uh, one of the sacred mountains of the Cairo region. And as you can see, there's no electricity. They live high above the timberline. There's no real um, modern modernization to their lives. They do have some boom boxes with batteries, and they have some solar power that allows them to have light bulbs, and they have a Spanish school in many of the larger villages. Now, um, their way of life is pretty much the same as it has been uh, forever. The women usually wake up around 3 a.m. to start to start a fire so that they can have breakfast. Uh, there's no forced heat or anything like that. There's no electricity. If you get harmed in this area, you are at least a seven-hour hike from the nearest place where you could get picked up for a four- or five-hour drive to get into a city center with a hospital. So they, re, uh, they rely on their home pecorunas, which means healers, which are a type of Paco, and they rely on those, and Paco means nature mystic, to still perform the healings to this day. Uh, so we're talking about an unbroken tradition based in practicality uh, that has had very little Western influence, some, of course, uh, and that is not a problem when it comes to this tradition. Uh, you have a picture of my family up in uh, Queros, if you could uh, post that. Yeah, this is uh, my family, uh, Maria and Justo, and their children. And the little baby I'm holding is uh, my goddaughter, Lorita Aline, uh, who I got to also name. And I, I look forward to being able to go and visit again, though it is a whole expedition to get to Queros because you have to hike in everything you're taking. And there's no trails that you can ride a motorcycle or a car up. You have to truly hike them on your back and on llamas to get them there and some uh, pack horses. And how long did you uh, live? So, I was gonna say, how, how long did you lived. live with them? Uh, it, well, it was a tour of all of the Keros. I was invited to come and work with the medicine people there. Uh, so it was a short period of time uh, in that village. We keep in contact though, uh, but there is uh, many, uh, you know, it, it's uh, 
both a financial strain and a, a physical strain living at those altitudes. So you take it at, uh, uh, at whatever amount you can at that time. Hmm. If that, so um, altogether, I have been learning the tradition for a, just a little shy of 20 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I also heard you uh, talking a little bit about the traditions that we cover in the apprenticeship program. And I did want to touch on some of that. Uh, my main initiator into the path was a man named Juan Nunez del Prado. Uh, he's in the center there in the red jacket. And as you can tell, I am an extremely young person at that time. You're still uh, young. In my early, tw uh, in my early 20s, though. And he was, the, um, he was my initiator to this path. Uh, and from him, I inherited two traditions, the Caro tradition of uh, Incari and the Huascar Cusco tradition. Uh, tradition, which is uh, a royal tradition from Inca Huascar. Uh, both of them are actually royal traditions. Since then, uh, uh, with my time in Queros, you will see on either side of me there, uh, two other pictures with some other people. Uh, the one on the left side is Don Marcus Apaza, who is a very powerful priest of the village that I was, uh, that I am a part of. And he is a uh, he, uh, he, he is one of my Quero teachers. And on the other side, you will see uh, Danilipo Gespi uh, from Chakrapata, which is where the sacred mountain Wamalipa, which is right behind us. Uh, we had just finished some initiatory work there. Wamalipa is right behind me. And uh, he was El Presidente of uh, Keros. Uh, every few years, they select a president of Keros. And during this time, he was the president of Keros. Uh, that represents more of the Inkari tradition of the Keros. Uh, then uh, across the bottom, you're going to see a few other uh, people. You're going to see uh, my teacher, Don Clemencio and Don Alberto. And these are our teachers in the Cori Lasso tradition. And I have uh, stayed uh, in Don Clemencio's barn and lived in, in uh, the village there. Uh, and it is something beautiful. I might post a few videos from that time because it's very gorgeous there. Um, and uh, in the picture in the center, you will see Alberto Clemencio and you will see Don um, Ricardo from Caros also in that picture. So those are some of my uh, teachers. Uh, some of the other teachers that I have had, they come more from the northern coastal tradition, the Camasca Curendero tradition, which is a slight mixture of Spanish folk Catholicism with the Andean work of the uh, Achuma uh, tradition, San Pedro tradition, which is uh, more uh, specifically would fall into that anthropological realm of shamanism. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, especially with the work that I do, that is a little different than some of the other people who do this work, I was called early on to be a healer. Uh, so my, it was my healing practice and my love for those things that eventually led me to Keros, that led me to these uh, uh, Kero natives uh, and to the Quechuan people. And so because of that, I learned a little differently than most 
uh, Western aspirants, which are only taught for the most part, what we call the Pana or the right side of the tradition, which is the mystical tradition. Then there is the Yoki, the magical tradition, which is how to use your mystical experiences and your spiritual experiences to create medicine to help a community and a people, to help people get past their uh, limitations, to help people recover from illness. And so I have been privy to learn a lot more on that side of uh, these uh, traditions. So the people who get drawn to me are people who have a call to heal. They're people who know that they have the ability deep inside of themselves to create change, not only for themselves, but they can become transformational agents for Mother Earth herself. And we see Mother Earth as uh, kind of like the Gaia uh, theory. We see her as a goddess. And we see her as loving us so much, she came and manifested this world for us. And with us, uh, she gave us two gifts of the gods, the gift of imagination and the gift of emotions. So of all the creatures of Earth, we're no better or worse than the rest, but we have this uh, added ability with our emotion and with our uh, uh, imagination, which awakens these intuitive gifts within us. And we are actually co-dreamers of this dream with her. She has created us to be able to be a co-creator. Uh, she wants us to help her dream the dream of this reality. And that's where we are really as humanity. We're entering our spiritual adulthood now where we are becoming dream weavers with the goddess. And this is a very uh, auspicious mm -hmm. moment in time and space because we are truly seeing the need with this COVID-19 uh, um, pandemic hitting the earth. We are slowing down and re-engaging with the uh, forces of nature. And we have a real opportunity to shift or change the paradigm right now, to start to elevate ourselves, the spirit world, and uh, to become these transformational agents of change, to character inside of ourselves, to offer something truly meaningful to, the, to Mother Earth and our fellow creatures. And that's what this program is really all about. Very cool. Yeah, and as we were kind of talking about before, uh, not just the Caro people, but um, Native people from all over the world have um, sort of uh, been perceiving the signs that we are in these foretold times. We are in the time when um, the planet is sort of waking up. People are meant to come back to the way of the healer and that we're all meant to rediscover sort of like the sacred silence, as you say, uh, and, and come back into a uh, uh, the I, old ways. <laughs> or to come back into, I, I know we said. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ang. Oh, no, I was saying like um, that, that we're out, so far out of Aini with Mother Earth that it's all about now getting back into that divine reciprocity with nature. Mm. Uh, absolutely. It's, um, there, there's a lot of prophecies from the Hopi prophecies, which is one of North America's most uh, well-preserved prophecies. Uh, prophetical cycles uh, to the prophecy of the Inca, the prophecy of the seventh fire or the seventh shield era. Uh, all these prophecies point to a time when life, there would be something of earth changes that would cause life to be altered uh, in a point, uh, to a, a degree. And that would open up a, an, a doorway for us to enter once again uh, the a golden age of humanity. But the golden age doesn't happen all at once. It takes 
us working at trying to create the best version of ourselves and to share the light of ourselves with the rest of the world and to let the rest of the world's light be shared with us. And that is Aini at the deepest sense. And as we uh, learn to enter into that, we are becoming um, real vessels of grace and beauty uh, in this world. And uh, this six-week program is just a, an introductory taste to that, but it's a very deep, uh, probably a deeper introduction than I have ever um, thought of even doing before. It's uh, be, uh, It will differ from the traditional apprenticeships in the way that we won't have one-on-one -on -one personal time. But outside of that, it's going to be so close to the traditional way these traditions are passed down because we're going to have weekly intercommunication. We're going to be able to talk about dreams we've had in between sessions. We're going to be able to truly develop ourselves where uh, the apprenticeship program, especially here in the West, like we have been doing, is a very deep exploration, but it leaves a whole month for people to integrate uh, w uh, one lesson that they have been learned. Well, several lessons they've been taught in that uh, class. Now we're going to have the uh, ease <laughs> to uh, kind of slow that down and to stretch it out a little bit, but to add more content and more um, uh, more medicine ways. And I see this as, as a, a beautiful blessing because at this time, when we all start coming out of this, we have to understand that humanity has just undergone a type of uh, universal susto or magical fright, uh, a trauma that has caused a type of soul fracture in the very fabric of our reality. And as we come out of this, we're going to need well-trained medicine people who can gently help people on that journey back to themselves, help them in the sacred remembering. And in that way, we can serve as transformational agents. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to be here on this path with you, Zane. And you did tell uh, me to keep an eye on the time. You're about one minute till noon. <laughs> one minute till noon. Well, I hate to leave you all. Uh, I hope that I have brought a little uh, more clarification on the sixth week, which I'm extremely excited for, which will be followed uh, probably closely by people who don't want to commit to the whole apprenticeship at that time. We'll probably have several other modules that uh, can be available. So uh, cool. I'm going to have to go now, but thank you all. <laughs> thank all right. you, Zane. Thanks, Zane. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Bye. Oh, oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, unexpected surprise. Well, he said he might be able to come on, but now yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I was starting to think, oh, no, he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, it, his, you know, I can see uh, energy uh, very clearly. His energy is so incredibly, like, blindingly bright and powerful to where if I'd seen that and, like, anyone else who did probably didn't have the training that his had, that he's had, uh, they would be, like, a totally ungrounded, all-over-the-place person. But he is so grounded. <laughs> and, um, oh, that just, to me, speaks miles to, like, the training that he's had and, and where he's at. So if anybody has any questions, we'll do our best. Like, if you're speaking to something that Zane just said, I may or may not be able to answer it completely, but I can get the answer and talk about it uh, the next time. If anybody has any questions about anything, now is a great time to ask, and uh, we can speak to it. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you're just getting more and more excited. I know we keep I saying know. we can watch episode. <laughs> we can't go through the whole show without talking about the apprenticeship and how excited it is. <laughs> That's very much in the forefront of my mind. And uh, just the little introduction we had, we had a little meet and greet um, and then a little ceremony to sort of introduce us to the energies. And, um, oh, it just... <laughs> It was like a, a beautiful taste of what is to come. And I'm oh, so, so very excited. Oh. And um, well, I guess real quick, we're coming up on uh, the hour here. So before I, I forget. Um, Mary says blessings. Thank you, Mary. Oh, thank you. So we're coming up on the hour. So uh, I'm going to pull up this link. Oops. And um, Shaman's Way over on Shaman's Way YouTube tonight, there is a shamanic meditation. So speaking of Call of the Shaman, if you're interested in getting a little taste of the work, uh, tonight at 7 p.m. on Shaman's Way on YouTube, I'm doing a, uh, a shamanic meditation. So it's sort of a hybrid between guided meditation and shamanic journeying. It's sort of my own thing that I've created. Um, but it's a great way to learn to sort of travel and connect with the realms of spirit and also to connect with your spirit guides. Um, so I'm going to grab the link for that now. Very cool. And uh, while you do this, um, depending on how long the meditation goes, at 7 o'clock, ironically, I have something going on at the same time. We're doing Power of Possibilities with Access. So when you're done with that, hop on ours and uh, have a little bit of Access Consciousness to go with your shamanism. Oh, definitely. I um, uh, they, They've... Well, we'll see how it, they, I just like to go with the flow, but it seems for whatever reason uh, they've only, they've been around a little over half an hour um, the past couple ones. So I'll probably definitely have time to hop on. So yeah, and power possibilities that's on the HHH channel, and it's me and Sean Phillips, and we basically we use tools from anywhere, uh, but it seems to be a little bit more access consciousness focused. But we take comments and interact, and basically whatever the energy of the group is, we kind of speak to that. So you can get a little bit of grounding, and then. Uh, go over and blast any limitations coming up out of existence with uh, our call. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so let's see. Shaman's Way for tonight's shamanic meditation. <laughs> and Zane says it was great talking with you all. Zane, it was absolutely wonderful to have you on. And I look forward to talking with you more and uh, picking your brain about um, a few things that I'm really interested in as well. So uh, looking forward to our time together. Yeah, we're hoping to have a few other things to announce shortly too. So there's going to be a lot of uh, other from, from some other traditions that he has, uh, knows we were planning something in August, but uh, we'll have to see how everything pans out. But uh, there may be some other opportunities for studying with Zane as well. Oh, very cool. I know, a little <laughs> teaser. A little teaser. <laughs> hmm. All um, right. So Oh, good. No. Oh, I just I saw you put the Shaman's Way link. That's what I was just looking for. So yeah, I did. I, I typed it wrong. Let me correct the. <laughs> the spelling there. The shaman's way. Not shamana way. It's shaman's way. With a little asterisk, so we know that's a correction. Does <laughs> uh, that go through? Oh, yeah. I think so. I don't see it. But I, just to give you guys an idea of what's coming up also over the next couple of days, tomorrow we're going to have Michelle on. I fixed a spelling error I had from yesterday with her 44-pound <laughs> crystal skull named Mana. We're going to be on at 10 o'clock with uh, Michelle. So if you want to learn about crystal skulls, uh, that's a great opportunity. And then on Thursday, 
we have Jill Matson. Uh, she is an international award-winning uh, sound artist, and she worked with Sherry Edwards to come with, with frequencies that would be a contribution to the body uh, for uh, COVID-19 and, and other things. But if you go back and look at any of her work, she has like, um, like Barbara Hero did all this work with frequencies for healthy uh, frequencies of organs and things like that. So she's made whole music CDs called like Body Wave Healing, which helps the body. And she's made other ones too, like Solfeggio Tones and Fibonacci, which helps you get centered. So she's really good at taking uh, frequencies that have very specific effects and applying them to music so you can listen into it in the background or put it in the background of someone that you want to change but they're not open to it just sneak them you know sneak it in <laughs> dose them with a little bit of healing magic yes yeah, spread the contagion of consciousness <laughs> uh, cool. well thank you everyone so, or anything anything oh, else we, anything you know, else we got our final thoughts we got a we oh, got, yeah. a, we got <laughs> a rhythm we got to do final thoughts well we don't have to we could skip I <laughs> well, I get to, okay. So final thoughts on to hear the call of the shaman. So I think the big point uh, we made towards the beginning, I think is really important to touch on again, is that um, it's not a select few people are the only ones that can start to have these experiences and develop a relationship with the spiritual realms and start to communicate. Um, anyone who's interested, you don't have to be, uh, you know, struck by lightning on a mountain to, to start on your path. Um, if you're interested, um, you know, look for an apprenticeship like the one Zane teaches or um, just find someone who does shamanic healing. Um, you experience the sessions and, and start to learn and experience, uh, but then, you know, um, have your own experience and uh, know that this is about learning uh, uh, via uh, direct experience. And, um, and that, uh, you know, it's, about finding your own medicine way. So um, if you feel called, just just start playing around, start exploring. Absolutely. And for me, I would say to, if you have been wanting to learn shamanism or to take up a spiritual practice, stop wanting, which mm -hmm. means to lack and start choosing. Choose anything. The second you choose, you can, 10 seconds later, you can still change your mind and choose something different. But if you're in the energy, you haven't chosen anything at all, then you are literally in the want of it, which means lack. In 1940-something, they changed all the definitions, and we use the word want interchangeably with the word desire, but the energy is very different. So if you're wanting, stop wanting, start choosing, and then you're going to receive it in your life. Mm, absolutely. So thank you all for your energy and your attention. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A Nike, a Nike, a Nike.